Welcome to the Employment Law and HR Podcast with your host, Allison Colley. Hello and welcome to this episode 149 of the Employment Law and HR Podcast. I'm your host, Alison Colley. I'm an employment solicitor and HR specialist and I run the firm Real Employment Law Advice. We provide practical and legal advice to employers and employees on all aspects of employment law. In this episode of the podcast, I'm going to be carrying on in the third episode of a mini-series on redundancy, particularly related to the current situation we find ourselves in, in relation to the COVID-19 crisis, with many businesses having furloughed staff and having people working remotely. And so this is going to be a short episode on the employee election of representatives. Um, You will recall if you listened to the last episode that I was talking about redundancy consultation and collective consultation. And so this one is following on from that and is specifically in relation to the requirement to elect employee representatives. So without further ado, I'm going to get into this week's featured content. Now, as I say, this episode is really in relation to collective consultation. Um, However, it is good practice, in my view, to consider electing employee representatives where you're undertaking redundancy consultations, um, particularly if you're sort of tipping towards the higher end. So collective consultation requirements tips in at 20 or more employees to be dismissed within a 90 day period. But if you're, for example, making 19 people redundant, then you still might think that having employee representatives would be helpful. So it may be useful to listen to this episode anyway. So there is a requirement if you are doing collective consultation for redundancy to either have representatives in place already. So if you've got a trade union or already have some form of workplace representatives or employee representatives elected, then you're required to inform and consult with those employee representatives of the affected employees. If you don't have employee representatives or a recognised trade union or other body involved already, then there is a requirement for you to undertake a process of putting in place employee representatives that you can inform and consult with. So the process that you need to follow in order to put in place employee representatives is the first thing is to establish the number of representatives that you need. Now this will depend on the size of your workforce, the size of the affected employees, the locations or branches or different departments that are involved in the redundancy process. Basically you have to apply your mind to the situation and work out what is going to be reasonable in terms of being able to adequately inform and consult with representatives of those affected employees. Now it's important to note at this stage that when we talk about affected employees we're not just talking about those who may be affected by the redundancy so those that may be dismissed. We're talking about those who may be left behind but whose job may change or may have to take on an increased workload so there may be a wider variety of employees affected by the redundancy situation than those who are just at immediate risk of redundancy. 
So you need to think about all of those employees and how can you best ensure that they're being represented. So if you have, let's just say, 100 employees in total who are affected and there are over three different locations and in each location you have two distinct departments, then you may want to have nine representatives, so two from each location. Um, So it's really important that you have a think about that and I would suggest that you do some recording of how you've reached that decision. The next thing then is to determine how long those representatives are going to be in office for. So are you going to have representatives now for the duration of the redundancy process only or are you going to have them more long term? Because depending on how you're going to set out the scope and term may depend on whether people want to apply to be a representative or not. So think about that as well. Next up, you need to inform the employees who are affected about exactly what you're doing. And this would be where, in my view, it's important to communicate it verbally from a member of management to all staff, preferably at the same time. Um, And if you can't do that, obviously to as many as possible in one go. So that may be that you have to have a video conference or if employees are still in the workplace, getting people together in, if you can, in a big enough room for social distancing to inform them that you are currently looking at potentially undertaking a redundancy situation and because of the likely outcome or potential outcome you need to elect employee representatives. Then from there once you've informed employees what's happening my recommendation is that you send a letter just with a summary of what's going to happen and details about the election process and include with that the initial form in relation to nominating candidates. So all affected employees should be able to nominate a candidate and as the employer you can't unreasonably exclude someone from standing for election. So if a candidate is submitted you can't then sort of vet those people and prevent them from being put forward for election. So on the candidate form uh, to start with, so asking people to put forward the name of the candidates that they wish to put forward for voting, you need to decide how you're going to set that up. Are you going to just be a case of anyone can nominate or are you going to require them to get the consent of the person that they're nominating? In my view, I think that's really important. It's important for the person who is being nominated to understand that that's what's happening and to agree to it because the last thing you want is to have people nominated as employee representatives who then say actually I don't really want to do that. You may waste time and find that you've got people who are being particularly difficult perhaps in the whole process. So I would say at the very least on the form it should say the name of the person that they want to nominate and the signature of the person saying that they consent to the nomination. Now in some cases you might want to get that seconded so have somebody else sign it off so a minimum of two employees nominate a candidate but it's not a requirement it may be something that you'd like to do. Now depending on the number of candidates who are submitted you may then need to go forward and undertake an election. So if for example as I said earlier you are saying you want six or nine representatives and six or nine candidates are put forward then you don't necessarily have to go forward to the election stage as long as you've indicated to the employees at the outset 
that it's your intention to hold an election. If the exact number of candidates are nominated and no more, then you may take the decision that we're going to dispense with the need to go for an election because we have the right number of candidates and then to communicate that to all employees that that's what you're doing. If, however, you have more candidates nominated than representatives you require, you would need to go through the process of a vote. Now, again, there isn't any set formula for how you do this and it will depend on the kind of workplace that you have, the nature of your organisation, the volume of employees and how best to communicate. But essentially you are then putting out the candidates and asking people to vote for the ones that they would like to be their representative. It's important at the outset of this process to have a person or persons who are responsible for running the whole candidate nomination and election process. So as to ensure that you have that consistency and you have someone who's overseeing the whole process in relation to the fairness and reasonableness of what you're doing. Once you've done your voting, however you decide to do that, then you have your final candidates. And it's important to communicate across the board to all staff how the process went and how they were elected and what the results are so that everybody has faith in the process as well. If the employees who are affected don't actually make any nominations for candidates or they don't want to get involved in the whole process or you have no voting or if just generally the employees fail to elect employee representatives, then as long as you've followed the process and kept a written record of that, you can show you've complied with the requirements and then you can directly consult with the affected employees uh, and that is to provide them with the information and all of that sort of thing that we were talking about in episode two. So I know that when I've spoken to business owners about collective consultation, they've always been worried about the whole process, the additional admin involved in electing employee representatives and that kind of thing. And I always say, actually, as long as you're planning in advance and you follow the process as I've explained and you have all the paperwork in place it's actually fairly straightforward and it doesn't have to be too time consuming. Of course you need to give enough time to enable employees to respond both to the candidate nominations and then also to the election to make sure that it's fair and reasonable but it doesn't have to be really long-winded And that's where I say right at the beginning when you're telling staff what's happening, then I would say at that stage you set the time parameters. So we're going to give you a letter after the meeting today and you're going to have seven days to submit your candidate nominations. At that time we'll cut that off and then we'll notify you of the candidates and the election process thereafter and then you have seven days to respond to that. And then at that point we'll have elected our employee representatives and we'll start informing and consulting under the collective consultation process. If as an employer you're currently thinking well we don't know what we're doing, we're not sure whether we're going to have to make 20 people redundant within a 90-day period, it's all uncertain, obviously the furlough scheme's been extended so we don't know what we're doing. If you're really unsure I would say now's the time to potentially start looking at doing the employee representative elections. There's no harm at all 
in being open and honest with staff and saying, look, we are planning ahead. We may have to go down the route of redundancies and we may have to therefore follow a collective consultation process in which we'll have to provide you with information. In order to do that, we need to have representatives in place and we're taking steps now to do that, both to provide somebody that we can liaise with on your behalf, but also in order that that process is followed and we're ready to start should we need to go down the formal route of redundancies. As long as you're explaining it to employees and being open and honest, then I don't see that that would be too much of a problem. Um, I know lots of people are worried about saying things about redundancies in case they scare staff, but I do think that there is so much talk about it at the moment, so much uncertainty, at least if you have that channel and that means of getting them involved and you know, if you have those representatives in place who can start liaising between management and staff, then it's going to help you in the long run. So in short, what I'm saying is the whole election process doesn't have to be too long or too onerous. You don't need to be scared of it. If you want standard documents that you can use or helpful documents for your organisation, then we can provide those. We also have all of the relevant forms, letters and template documents within our DIY redundancy toolkit which you can download for just £100 plus VAT on our website at adviceforemployers.co.uk or also you'll be able to find it shortly on the realemploymentadvice.co.uk site. But if you are looking for that, then you can find it there and you'll find, as I say, all of the documents you need. So it makes the process much easier and much smoother for you rather than trying to cobble together the paperwork. So just to summarise, in relation to the process, you need to think about the number of representatives you need. You need to have a reasonable number to represent the interests of those employees who are affected by the situation. You need to determine the length of service or the office of the employee representative. You need to decide on how you're going to deal with nominations and put together the nominations form. You need to notify employees that what's happening and provide the nomination details. Then you need to leave a window of time for them to nominate the candidates. And then if there are more candidates nominated than you require, then you need to do the voting system. And following that, you communicate the outcome to all staff and you start informing and consulting with the employee representatives following their election and the announcement that they've been elected. If you have any questions about the process or you want any advice about how to do it, then please do not hesitate to contact me. My email is alison at realemploymentoradvice.co.uk. We'd be very happy to assist you with the process. We offer a variety of options depending on your budget in relation to helping with redundancies. From, as I said earlier, the DIY toolkit, which is available to download for £100 plus VAT, through to undertaking and running the whole process for you. In between that, we can do handholding, we can provide telephone support, we can meet with you uh, virtually to talk it through, we can give you the confidence you need to run the process legally, but also ensuring that you are behaving in a fair and reasonable way for your employees. So as I say, please do not hesitate to get in touch. We'd be very happy to help you. Um, my email is alison at realemploymentoradvice.co.uk or you'll find more information on the website adviceforemployers.co.uk or on the realemploymentoradvice.co.uk site. 
Many thanks for listening this week. I'll be back again shortly with episode four of this mini series of the Redundancy podcast. Have a great week. Thanks again for listening. Just want to finalise by saying I wouldn't be a lawyer unless I had a legal disclaimer. So I must just say to you that the information in this podcast is for information only. It's general review and a general update. It's always necessary to get specific legal advice about your circumstances. So please don't rely on anything that you've heard in this podcast. But please do feel free to contact me if you'd like further information or specific advice.